Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hi there, welcome back. As the summit between the EU and the community of Latin American and Caribbean states gets stuck on Ukraine, Ukraine cereals get stuck in Ukraine. The CELAC summit, bringing together EU member states and the countries of the Latin America and Caribbean region, took place on Monday and Tuesday, the 17th and 18th of July. In our own Euronet Plus mini-summit at the end of June, Josep Borrell, the Commission Vice President and the EU's High Representative for Foreign Affairs, said the key objective of the forthcoming CELAC summit should be to forge a geopolitical alliance to face the world of tomorrow. Following the widely attended summit in Brussels, EU and CELAC leaders were keen to sing its praises. The German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, for example, whose comments are shared by AMS. Important agreements have been reached here for relations between the EU and countries of Latin America and the Caribbean, for questions of cooperation on stopping man-made climate change, protecting biodiversity and working together on technological issues. The summit declaration underscored, among other things, developed countries' joint commitment to mobilizing $100 billion a year to support developing countries in their efforts to mitigate climate change. On Tuesday, after several days of intense negotiations, the final wording was endorsed by all EU and CELAC countries, except for Nicaragua, whose main sticking point was the statement on the war in Ukraine. And this, even though the declaration had been significantly watered down and no direct criticism made of Russia. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, downplays the discord. Look, I think on Ukraine we have a very clear language and uh, we're all, all of us are, are clearly aligned. What's important to me is that all the EU members are, are very much aligned on that and all the CELAC members are aligned except Nicaragua. After that, I do respect the, the internal process, not to outvote just one member, so they will, they will have to, to clarify this issue. But I think, it's, for me, what's important is that we are clearly bridge builders and we do create more unity. The Portuguese Prime Minister, Antonio Costa, echoes Macron's sentiments, as Radio Renascença notes. It's a that the world is diverse. It is a sign that the world is diverse, that the world does not look at all problems through the same eyes. The key thing is that, although there are matters on which we differ, there are also those on which we are essentially all in agreement. For example, respect for the Charter of the United Nations, the importance of multilateralism, everyone's right to territorial integrity. And it is important that, above all, we work together, because the more we work together, the more we overcome our differences. Europe has wide-ranging viewpoints. In Latin America, in all countries, positions also vary. So it is normal that there may not be a common position among so many countries. What matters is that the lack of a common position on the issue of Ukraine does not prevent us from working together and seeing what is fundamental, namely the strengthening of relations, both geopolitically and economically. The next summit is due to take place in Colombia in 2025. Moscow's decision to terminate the agreement on the export of Ukrainian grain via the Black Sea has ruffled feathers across Europe, and indeed the world, 
as shown by the inclusion of support for the Black Sea Grain Initiative in the CELAC Summit Declaration. Signed in July 2022 and extended twice to date, the Black Sea Grain Initiative has allowed the transport of nearly 33 million tonnes of grain via the Black Sea. It expired on Monday after the Russian President Vladimir Putin made a new extension conditional on permitting shipments of Russian farm products, which also has financial and insurance implications. Putin justified this move by claiming that only 3% of Ukrainian grain exports reach the poorest countries targeted. The UN insists, however, that these countries have actually received 10% of Ukraine's maize and 40% of its wheat. During a visit to New York, Polish Foreign Minister Zbigniew Rao strongly criticised Russia's actions, describing them as an economic attack on countries of the global south. Polsky Radio reports. Until now, as we remember, Russia has presented itself as an advocate for these countries, especially vis-à-vis -vis the West. Now it has exposed its own hypocrisy. Speaking to Radio 24, Marco Di Lido, an analyst at Italian think tank, the Center for International Studies, paints a grim picture. He suggests that this latest move by Moscow could prove far more damaging than the military conflict itself. Once again, the Kremlin, by virtue of its hybrid war doctrine, has, in a sense, militarized economic agreements. In the first phase of the war, it did so with energy, with gas, and then with the export of certain key industrial products, such as ammonia. Today it is doing it again, with wheat, aware of the impact this has on European and African markets. Remember that around half of Ukraine's wheat exports go to Western Europe, a quarter go to Turkey and the Middle East, and a quarter to Africa. The Russians' objective, therefore, is to destabilize the world food market in an attempt to increase the cost of the war in both Europe and Africa, and even to trigger processes of instability and inflation that lead to an increase in migratory flows, for example. This is now a total war, waged by any means necessary. In an interview with Bulgarian National Radio, Mikhail Stanchev, professor of modern history at Ukraine's University of Kharkiv, strikes a more optimistic note. He predicts that Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan will bring his weight to bear on Moscow to get the grain corridor open again. From a political point of view, what Putin is saying is we were compromising, but enough is enough. But I think Erdogan will press him, and Erdogan controls this situation. He wants to make the grain corridor work, so I think in time the Russians will back down. Cindy Holloman is a senior economist specialising in food security and nutrition at the UN's Food and Agriculture Organisation. She edits FAO's annual flagship publication, The State of Food Security and Nutrition in the World, the 2023 edition of which was released just last week. In a separate BNR interview covering a range of topics related to the recent report, Holloman expresses her hope that the Black Sea Grain Initiative finds its feet once again. You know, in terms of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, it did help reduce uncertainty and improve supply prospects in global markets, and then also increase supply and strong competition among exporters, underpinned the decrease in world wheat prices. So FAO does hope that the initiative will be renewed. This renewal would be critical time also for harvest. And the initiative also helps possibly support humanitarian operations, for example, like our, our partner agencies, the World Food Program. 
So anything that will free up and create less pressure on prices is, is a positive thing. So what can be done to ease the situation in the meantime? Well, every country can play its part. And as Romanian President Klaus Ioannis points out, all is not lost. His comments are shared by Radio Romania. It is regrettable that this initiative, in which many politicians from all over the world have been involved, does not seem to have a bright future. But, be that as it may, half of Ukraine's grain has so far been exported through Romania along Romanian logistical routes, which we have adapted and improved and will continue to do so. We believe it is important and right for us to stand behind Ukraine and support these exports. We will continue to do this to prevent any further issues. And on Thursday morning, Italian Foreign Minister Antonio Tajani stressed to Radio 24 that Italy would support Romania in these efforts. It is profoundly unjust and inhuman. It really is a crime against millions of innocent people. Having said that, we will continue to work to ensure that the green corridor that transports wheat through Romania and onto the port of Trieste can continue to operate, perhaps even more effectively, so that more wheat can be exported. With its wheat farmers already struggling, Slovenia's food security is now further threatened, reports RTV Slovenia. But the Slovenian Minister of Agriculture, Irena Shinko, assures the sector that financial aid, both EU and national, is on its way. The European Commission has granted Slovenia 1.2 million euros from the European Reserve Fund. Slovenia will add twice this amount, bringing the total to 3.7 million euros. We intend to allocate this money to wheat producers. Radio Renascença asks Luis Mira, the Director General of Portugal's Confederation of Farmers, what the consequences might be if Russia refuses to back down over this. Mira underlines that alternative supplies exist in Europe itself and also across the Atlantic. If this agreement for the transit of Ukrainian cereals is blocked, everything will depend on what happens to prices on the global market. If it leads to a new price hike, that will certainly impact Portugal as well. And the solution found by operators in Portugal is to buy these cereals in other destinations, such as South America, the United States or Canada. Shipping is slightly more expensive, of course. It's similar to the issue we had with energy. At the start of the war, this was a big problem and Europe found other suppliers, just as it will for grains. We have already done this. Ukraine is a supplier for the whole of Europe, but Europe also has good cereal production capacity itself. The European Parliament has encouraged the Commission to take all necessary steps, says Radio Romania, to strengthen the EU's food security and agricultural resilience against the backdrop of the war. This has led to a number of rules being relaxed for European farmers, such as those banning planting in ecologically sensitive areas. Renew Europe MEP Dacian Cholos believes such actions are crucial right now, but he urges the EU to take a more holistic approach going forward to avoid policy inconsistencies. 
The successive crises and challenges of the society we live in have shown the strategic importance of agriculture. Food and the environment are elements of security and strategic autonomy for the Union. We have seen in recent years, and especially in recent months, how attempts to legislate separately and even antagonistically in the fields of agriculture, the environment, health and food, often against agriculture, creates deadlock and leads us into false debates. That is why, if we want food security in Europe, but also in the rest of the world, if we want the capacity to produce now, but also in the decades and centuries to come, we must fundamentally rethink agricultural policy and the European food model. The new model for supporting agriculture must be linked to environmental and climate policy, to health policy, but also to trade policy and international cooperation. So that's a wrap. We'll be taking a bit of a break now, but we'll be back with a new Panorama podcast on the 1st of September. In the meantime, have a great summer. Mm-hmm.